Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. And I'm MK. And how are you today? You know, um, it's back to school weekend. I know some people are like, oh, holiday weekend Um, for teachers. It is um, the last dregs of life in our system. Um, But... This weekend, back to school weekend, is also Chicken Wing Fest. I almost choked. I'm so sorry. I love Chicken Wing so much. So the National Chicken Wing Fest is actually an international competition, um, but it is Wing Fest, and it is like the number one chicken wing taste competition in the world. Um, And obviously it's in Buffalo because, right, um, and so Dan and I went on Saturday and um, how many wings did you try? What was your favorite flavor? I tried eleven different wings. That's and I did I thought I was gonna die. So here's the thing. Oh, here's the thing. Um we didn't try anything local because we figured if it's local we can just get it anywhere. Sure. But the things that we would change, first of all, they should sell milk. Yeah. Um, also they should sell vegetables like yeah <laughs> that nobody had carrots nobody had celery nobody had milk um literally at one point I licked the cannoli to try to change clear my tongue so that I could like try eat something else so we were licking blue cheese to be like a palate cleanser sweet baby I know um but <laughs> it's not necessarily that 11 wings is too many wings if you're just like sitting eating a plate of wings but 11 different flavored wings is like um, an overload i love a lot of different flavors it's you're not speaking my language i would <sighs> i could eat i could eat more if they were different flavors like ugh. yeah um our favorite place um did actually win best in show for the competition um and it was from iceland iceland this is a new, they do have the best Greek yogurt. It's, it's Icelandic yogurt. So like, yeah. Um, so basically a guy who was originally from Buffalo moved to Iceland, opened a chicken ring restaurant. And now it's like mm. a thing there. And there's three different in different cities in Iceland. So like, he's obviously only at one of them and they have all these like crazy weird flavors. Um, um, like they had one that was called Loki's charm and it was like a Bernays sauce with a sweet chili sauce. Ooh. Oh, it was so good. Their best one was called Wingy the Pooh. And it was honey barbecue with honey mustard and honey. That sounds so good. Yeah. Um, the My favorite wing of the day. There was, there was only one that we threw out. There was only one that we couldn't finish. Um, and it was a lava berry pop rocks. And here's the thing. The sensation of the Pop Rocks on the chicken wing, 10 out of 10. I would recommend. But their flavor palette, it was like, because Lava Berry is watermelon and strawberry, and it was watermelon, strawberry, and sriracha. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't blended well. Like, it wasn't the best flavor. Like, I was, I was a little disappointed in that one. Like, the one that I had that had tang powder mixed in the dry rub, that one was great. Cause I love like a, so dig does like a, a watermelon with like a, like a chili seasoning on the side, like a, a chili pepper seasoning on the side. And that is 
delicious but i don't know about well, like strawberry also well yeah so i had one that was passion fruit and spice like and chili and that one was really good and then the the wu-tang the orange tang powder it was orange tang powder but it also had like harissa and gochigaru and like all of the and like and it was so it was really good but the winner of the day for me the best wing i had was one that i got as a joke i (laughs) thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be the worst thing i ever tried i got it specifically to rag on it And then it was so fucking good. I could not understand. Like, my brain could not process what was happening. Because it was a cinnamon toast crunch wing. Yeah. I will say, I'm only mildly surprised. Because I've had a lot of cinnamon toast flavored things that shouldn't be cinnamon toast flavored that are good. And someone who doesn't really care for cinnamon. So... But so it's the because it's the cinnamon toast crunch, it's almost like a, a maple cinnamon French toasty type of glaze with just like the cinnamon toast crunch cereal sprinkled on top of it. And it was so good. That actually does sound really good. Yeah. It was like when you have like country fried steak and you dip it in your in your syrup at the end of like your breakfast. Yes. Yeah. I, it was Alamo had on their um their special menu that just ended like i guess the day i was there because it hasn't happened since i've been back but they had golden wings they were really good i do not know what flavor they were they told me they were golden flavored on the menu and that is not a flavor so i think they may have been like a they were either like a like a like a sweeter yellow curry or like a honey mustard mix of something okay like it, was, it fell somewhere in there i think but whatever it was, it was very good very good yeah um, the o- the only one that I had a couple that were like hot. Mm-hmm. The one, I don't know why. I think, I don't know if it was just that I had had too many things that had chili on it in a row or what, but this wing, it was from a place that um, is, I can't remember where they're from, but they, this is one of the wings that Guy Fieri tried when he went to theirs. Mm-hmm. And it was called the Buffalo Soldier. And it was like jerk chicken marinated with, with then like a buffalo sauce on it. It was delicious. Yeah. But I also was like, oh my God, I can never eat again. I was like sweating. I was like, I'm so jealous. I love wings. I love it. It was fantastic. Next year, you'll have to. to I was like, next year, you'll have to come up to Buffalo for Wing Fest. Maybe I'll just live there next year. Who knows? Who knows where I'll be a year from now? Perfect. Um, but unfortunately that was Saturday and Saturday was also the wings were really the only just way to distract me from the fact that Saturday was the saddest day in all of history In all of history because we lost Emmy Buffett. Ugh. And I didn't see it until Sunday morning because I just disconnected Saturday mm. and, oh gosh, I like grew up on Jimmy Buffett. It took me back to like when I'd go like down south fishing with my like my dad. We always listened to Jimmy Buffett on the drive down there on the drive back. We didn't I mean I listened to it kind of like on my own otherwise, but otherwise like we didn't listen to it except for when we were doing these trips. Yeah. And uh it was just well and just like a genius. Like so Yeah. So I mean smart. and when when I when I met him two years ago, I we talked about it on the podcast about how he yeah. just was the nicest, most genuine, humble, funny person. Uh, 
Yeah. And so a lot of, of, of course, a lot of the posts and like things from my friends on Facebook were people that I work with at Shays who like their last real memory of him was being with him. And so like, uh, it was a very, very sad day. Yeah. Well, let's take it to a darker place than that. Okay. Um, not darker. a sad place, but a horror place. Okay. I've been like at Alamo so many times in the past few days. I have their paths, so I've been going a lot. And I've just like really dug into horror. I'm ready for spooky season. I'm here. Let's go. So I finally watched What Lies Beneath. And it didn't hit me it didn't hit me really it didn't do it for me but i was in like such a horror mood it was just like it was much milder i think than what i was going for when i watched it fair and so it is it's like it is it's not well i mean you also have to remember this was one of my favorite movies before i really watched horror so it mild is fair well like i mean hide and seek was one of my favorite movies and i feel like it still holds up for me but like it's also milder probably than what I would have liked. Like I was looking for like true horror, I think. And I was just like, I'll just mm. watch this. People can tell me to watch it. I just wasn't in the right headspace. Mm, Not fair. that it was a bad movie, but it just didn't like do it for me. But what did do it for me is I went to talk to me. Dude, yes, you told me. It is so good. Those of you who have complained or whatever, I've seen a lot of mixed reviews. You're wrong. All of you are wrong. It was, it's a new concept. I mean, it's, sure, we're talking spirits getting mildly possessed, whatever. Not, like, super new. But, like, it's a newer ideas put on it. And it's an indie film. Like, oh, so good. The soundtrack is banging. And it's a lot of, like, I just, like, it's unrecognizable artists. It's not people that, like, you'd see other than Chandelier was in it. So, like, everyone knows Chandelier. But otherwise, right. like, all this other stuff that's, like, indie artists. Oh, it was just well done. Well done. And and I saw. I forgot. I forgot to ask my sister how she liked it. So. Oh yeah. Well, I hope she loved it because if not, I've just talked bad about her on this podcast, and I would feel bad. It's okay. We don't talk. It's not very. It's fine. Um, and I also saw the Barbie movie, which was like no words, incredible, incredible. Everything blew me away. Um, and then on Friday, I went and saw Wicker Man. Um, the 1973, I think they did a remake with Nicholas. Oh, I was going to say, the, not the Nicholas Cage one, right? No, no, no. I saw the original one. And it okay. was the final cut, so they had, like, some stuff that had been, like, remastered a bit because it, like, didn't, like, it was kind of broken because they tried to put it in the movie originally, so they remastered a bit of it. Um, that movie watched some bits of a good run. Like, it was, it was wild. I See, that's what I've heard. I've heard that the original is, like, genuinely terrifying, and then the new one was not i don't know that i'd say it's terrifying Pro- i mean in the same sense i'd say midsummer is not terrifying but it yeah. just makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's weird and it's like definitely in the horror genre just like not in your like true sense of what you think of like jump scares or exorcisms or stuff like that or possession right. um it's i mean it's it's a lot it's a very similar story to midsummer it's about mayday um it's this island that is its own religion, essentially, at this point. Like, but it is, it was, it was really good. It came out in 1973, so it's not like it's a new movie. So, of course, you have to, like, take that into, keep that in mind while you're watching it. That, right. The, 
the like um visuals and stuff are not always great it's not yeah. super well done i mean but... are there bees no no bees okay that's the only thing i know about the nicholas cage version of wicker man is the bees i don't know anything about the nicholas cage wicker um, man in the nicholas cage wicker man there is a scene where his head is like in a cage but the cage is actually a bee trap and he's screaming about bees but it actually sounds like he's asking a question and that's where the cards against humanity card that says bees question mark comes from that is uncalled for yeah like, um, <laughs> no, no, so unnecessary. They uh, so have you seen the Nicolas Cage one then? No, I've seen the okay. scene of him putting his head in the gotcha. bees. <laughs> no, it's nothing. To, no, that's crazy. That's unnecessary. This is like a good storyline, and it's just it's like weird. <laughs> but I mean, it's weird. I don't know that I would have written it. And if you told me what it was about, I'd probably been like, "That's insane. I'm not watching that." But like, like in, in performance, it was good. So I've just spent a lot of time with horror this week. Um, I'm I'm ready for my my 31 days of horror that I just keep starting early because I just I need it. I'm ready. I'm ready for cold. I'm ready for spooky. So I'm in the right mindset. So since I'm in the right mindset, maybe could you get everyone else in the right mindset as well? With well a little spiritual guidance. I can, and I I um decided that the only the only spiritual guidance I want right now is that of um our our lost our lost love jimmy buffett and so today's spiritual guidance quote is short sweet and simple if life gives you limes make margaritas well said couldn't couldn't be better couldn't be better i love it but on that note let's get ready for the exorcist oh boy yay this is season one, episode eight. It is called The Grief Bearers. It aired November 18th of 2016. Um, it was rated 8.5 out of 10. Feels, feels right. Yeah. The number one song was still closer. I'm going to guess that's till the end of the season, but we'll see. Yeah. The number one movie was Fantastic Beasts. And we're going to find them. Um, and the number one book is was The Whistler by John Grisham. Okay. So on this day, I have a couple of things that are interesting, I guess. Um, there's a show called The Grand Tour that people seem to watch. It premiered that day. It's I think it's like like a not like reality TV, reality TV, but like reality esque. It seems like it's like okay. a hard show that people like watch. Yeah. I don't know. Um Sad news, Sharon Jones of Sharon Jones and the Dot Kings died at 60. Sad. Um, and the WHO declared that there's an end to the global crisis of the Zika virus, which is nice. It's nice. So like, mixed bag there, mixed bag there, good and bad. Yeah. As, as is life. Moving my camera around. Okay. Um, the director was Louis Shaw Melito. Um, he's actually better known as a producer. He's a producer at Boilermaker Entertainment. And what he is known for are Superman and Lois, the like newer one, The Prophecy, Mall Rats, and CSI. One of my faves. And he's most well known for CSI, so I bet he did a lot of it. Probably. Um, 
The writer is Marcus Gardley. He is known for the new show, The Cheat, that I see advertised every day on Paramount Plus that I don't think has come out yet. Um, Foundation. The upcoming screenplay, The Color Purple. I don't think it's actually, it's from, like, it's going to come out this year if it hasn't come out this year. Right. Um, And Tells of the City. He also wrote the play The House That Will Not Stand, um, which I was not familiar with, but I feel like I should have been because it's about New Orleans and such. Um, but now I'm very interested to go look more into it. I think he, I think I read that it was 2014 when he wrote that, when it came out. Um, and our editor was Victor Dubois. So, familiar with him. We already know him. Yes. So, the star that we're going to talk about today is Muzan Makar, who plays Jessica. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. She is known for The Fix, The Exorcist, Champions, which was a show by Mindy Kaling that didn't get picked back up that I thought was very funny, mm-hmm. um, and Vampire Diaries. I've seen her in a few things that I should recognize her from, it turns out. Um, she played Alex St. John in season seven of Vampire Diaries. And that name sounds familiar, but I can't picture it in my head right now, um, who she is. But like, yeah, the face you made was also the face I made when I read it, because I was like, how do I not know who she is, like, from this? Um, she also played Nurse Lena in American Horror Story Hotel, again, which I think that was like a, I think that was more of a bit part. I think it was like one episode she was in. But like, I feel like I've seen her face enough now in other things that I shouldn't have been like, I don't know who she is when I saw her on The Exorcist. So, my bad. My bad, girl. Um, and just a fun fact, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 2007. So like, she's probably a good person in real life. But uh, it's like, she seems alright in real life. But, hmm. Okay. Oh, season seven was a weird season of Vampire Diaries. Um, basically, she worked, um, it was when Alaric was running that weird place that was collecting magical artifacts, and she worked for him, but she's also, like, the reason she was working for him is because she's, like, distantly related to Enzo, and she was trying to figure out what happened to her family. Uh, mm, mm, I do remember her. I do remember her. Okay, okay. Yes, I would not have remembered her face from that. Well, no, because season seven of Vampire Diaries was terrible, and she was only in that season, so. Yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah, so that's who, that's who she is. So now, great, let's get into the episode. So we start literally where we left off, like they replayed the end of the last episode, where we start with Casey's face, um, looking crazy, and Angela and Tomas walking in, and her being mean to um, Angela and everyone else, Casey, Casey's demon. Um, and then Angela is furious. She's like, how have you not told me that my daughter's alive? And like, I get it. Yeah, of course. Um, and Marcus Because you said, are a liability. Well, also, yes, you are also a liability, but I understand where her anger is coming from. Um, but she just straight up slaps Marcus. She's like, no, I'm, I'm mad at you. Um, and then she starts to talk to Casey 
and Henry and Chris and Kat walk in. So it is a family reunion now, which is not great. And the demon takes this opportunity to talk about everyone. And so he starts with Kat and he starts talking about the wreck and how he saw her that night because that's who she almost hit, which we saw, but obviously Kat did not know. And he talks about how she's like a closeted lesbian um, and then gets kind of cut off and switches gears to Henry and says that he's the one that unscrewed the, the screw on the scaffolding that fell on him and messed up his brain. Because he's is- been going for, he's been going for Angela's family the whole time. And Casey's just yeah. the only one who was dumb enough to fall yep. for it. Yep. Um, and then he starts talking about how Casey is in a empty room nailed to the floor, um, which was a very similar scene to what happened in Talk to Me um, when he was oh. possessed so many okay. times. Um, and he says, there's room for you to go to the credits. Ick. He's so icky. It is icky. icky. Somehow it was the least icky part of the episode. The sticky part of the episode, but it was unpleasant still. So when we get back from the credits, the exorcism is still happening. Um, the family is now outside. Henry has started freaking out. Um, he's like, oh, we can't let them hurt her, but also like, what do we do about this? Like everything's a mess. Like, no. yeah, yeah, of course. That is how everything is. Um, and Angela has kind of started to become the voice of reason, which is nice. And She's like, look, here's the thing. I'm going to stay here. I will never leave her alone. But you all have to start packing. Like, go home because as soon as she's better, we're leaving. Because the only option is to run away. And, like, feel like maybe there's other options. I understand that she's, like, um, under police and, like, inspection. Like, they think that she's killed everyone. Well, because here's town. here's a thing she has. Um, yeah. And... Like, yes, demonic possession wasn't her fault, but also um, there's nothing in the law books that, like, classifies your murder as being cool if you didn't mean to do it. No, murder's a, um, a strict liability. Yeah. So um, you like, have to have intended for it for it to be murder. Right. Like, there might, there might be some lesser punishment because intent... Um, and there, there's some leeway with defense, but just like crashing an ambulance and slaughtering people, um, there's, you're going to have a hard time convincing somebody that you didn't mean to do it. Insanity is your best argument at this point. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because as, as far as I know, as someone who's been to law school, we, we didn't study possession as an, as a defense to the law. Yeah, no, I... Well, maybe um, we should have. I'm going to write a new book. I'm going to write a new law book. Word. About possession. Uh, no, but funnily enough, um, I saw a TikTok the other day that my sister-in-law, Renee, reposted, and it said, you're the, it was like a picture of a text message, and it was like, you're the kind of girl they write books about. Then when you flip to the next screen, the book was the DSM-5. I saw that. I saw that on, like, Facebook. It was like... <laughs> 
Uh, you're the kind of girl they write books about and it's courtney's new law book on how to uh how to not (laughs) not how to not convict demonic possession victims right yeah i like it i like it um i'll go like figure out how to go to the courts and actually get it passed and everything too but i'll write the book first um yeah so then they're so the family's leaving to go home and pack up and there's just mass mass amount of people outside trying to like obviously get quotes and medium whatnot and the nun comes out and she's like you're all trespassing go home i'm gonna call the police unfortunately the police are already there and don't care well because because technically they are just gathering on a public sidewalk and he literally says until someone commits a crime i can't do anything except for make sure that like it doesn't get violent because the first amendment kind of right no legally they're not doing anything wrong but he's like okay with it too and he knows they're being a nuisance like i don't yeah well because he he also is pretty confident casey's inside the church and he's like just let us search the church and give us and we won't we'll get everybody off of your lawn yeah yeah just have a little compassion um and he's going and going as soon as the bell rings she's like time for my vow of silence time do you know how many times in my life suddenly not being allowed to speak anymore would come in so much handy oh my gosh so many times i mean i guess i could just take a religious vow of silence but i feel like that would make teaching difficult well if you do it she does it at a certain time every day so like yeah but she only has an hour of repass i don't school is longer than an hour oh i see i see i see what you're saying i was thinking like if you did it backwards where like you had like a vow of silence for like one hour a day oh i mean maybe that's just like a meditation thing that i should do oh you know meditations just like shut up for like a whole hour you could practice like shaka if you listen to our stargate episode (laughs) that's cute (laughs) (laughs) dan would walk in and be like are you possessed like what is happening well because he didn't watch this episode of the exorcist or this episode of stargate this week so he would have no idea what's going on <laughs> he would be blessed he'd be so lost oh i yeah poor thing yeah so we go back to our bestie father Bennett, who's with cherry and lester lester's his name is that what we decided yes last time? Yeah, never say his name again in this episode. And no, so, they don't. They also don't say her name at, anymore ever. I don't but Cherry's no, but Cherry's like not a hard name to remember, right? Um, but no, they haven't said their names out loud since the first episode they were in, right? And so I'm like, what are their names again? Um, yeah. So Cherry and Luster, and it's we learned that Father Bennett did not die in his attack at Tattersall, which is he nice. Just got you said yeah yeah i thought he had died you were like no he hasn't died so kudos um and while they're like fixing him up cherry's calling in the bodies in the boiler room at tattersall and she's like on the phone with the police and she's like yeah it's a lot they've been there for a minute and oh, they're like great stay on the phone and she's like sure thing and hangs up immediately okay but also to her defense she says i'd like to report the discovery of corpses and they ask her if they're alive and she was like i'm pretty sure to be a corpse you have to be dead yeah i think that's a requirement and Um, the level of sass 
at the incompetence of the police is 20 out of 10 in that moment. Of course she hangs up. They don't know that corpse means dead. Yes. And why does she want to tie herself into this situation? Like, there's no reason for her to... She did her duty, and now she can let it go. Um... Yeah, so we go back to the exorcism, where we, we spend most of our time in the exorcism um, for this episode. And Tomas and Marcus start arguing, because they're talking about, like, if they're going to involve Angela or not, and then they start fighting, like, physically, and we see that the sound, there's this sound going on that's, like, hurting the nun, but she's in her silence, so she's not saying anything, she's just physically in pain. Yeah. Um, and Marcus stops everything. It turns out we realize the demon has been trying to manipulate them which is why they started fighting physically in the first place. Um, And finally they decide, Marcus decides he agrees. He's like, okay, we've tried everything else. So we can try this. We just have to do it like really carefully. And so they let Angela in and he's like, if you feel anything, even vaguely off, just run. Like, don't, don't even like give it a second, which obviously is, not Which, she anything. she's a fucking dumbass she's the the dumbest the dumbest um and so marcus is having her talk to it because obviously it's listening to her now we're getting some reaction and he's like just keep talking just keep distracting it and then it's like yeah distract me and it goes to do something but as soon as that angel starts talking again it always comes back to her so that's terrifying but fine and she's telling a story about like a broken foot that casey had when she was a child it's like nothing mind yeah it they were like they were like keep it mundane keep it yeah then i'll just like talk to it so that it will pay attention to you because that's what it wants right now don't give it in don't give into it don't give it your brain just say things yeah and that's what she does um and then the demon starts talking back and it starts being like you knew you couldn't have kids like you knew that this would happen stuff like that and it's like and we learned that she actually had an abortion for her first child because because she thought it would turn out like her yeah that it would become a demon as well yeah and that's thrilling so then we go to the news and we find out that bodies were found um so these corpses were found that cherry had called in about and bennett is sitting with the bishop is he the bishop so he's the he's he's not the bishop from saint aquinas he's the bishop right. that is there at with the bennett as uh, no as no he's not bishop egan either he's the one who is he's a cardinal i think from rome who's there cardinal. to help set up the pope's visit and everything god i'm not good at keeping up with these like designations so i'm glad you're here to well because up. they're uh, they're all cast as chubby gray-haired white men which I mean, I guess I mean I guess to be fair, if you look at a picture of like the Vatican, everyone's a chubby, gray-haired white man. So like, sure. that's like not bad casting. But for someone who's not actually part of the Catholic Church, trying to keep track of who all of these people are, it's not great casting. Yeah, it's not it's not easy, and I'm just so yeah. No, so the but they're talking. Yeah, he's he's the cardinal who's there from Rome, who and that's why he's the one who only speaks French. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so they're talking about the sacrifices and he starts saying that, so then it starts like confiding in him. He's like, there's a connection with the, is it, is it the papal? The papal, the papal, uh, committee, which is the members, the group that are all kind of planning for the Pope and 
the group that we saw at the dinner party. I really, in this scene, I went back and forth in my own emotions so many times because I was like, well, Bennett, you can't trust anyone. Why are you telling him all the information? You already know you can't trust anyone. And then I was like, no, but he came with Bennett. So he like works with the Pope. So maybe Bennett already knows that he's part of what they can trust. And then I was like, no, but... I had that same, I, like, I, I like went oh. back and forth so many times because I was like, we can't trust anyone. I was like, but we have to be able to trust someone. Like someone has to be on their side. And it, we obviously know Bishop Egan and B- the Bishop from San Aquinas are obviously not. So yeah. there's got to be somebody who's with us. Yeah. And as of now, like Father Bennett is like the highest level that we can trust right now. And that's not high enough. to. That's not very to- high because he's not a bishop or a cardinal. Like he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a priest. He's a nobody. And right. so it's we do not... need someone else, but unfortunately. So we go back to the rant's home. Everyone's packing. And then they start talking about where they're going to move. And Henry says they're going to move. I think he said Guelph. He said it's right outside Guelph. of. Yeah. Guelph. <laughs> yeah. Guelph. He's like, it's right outside of Canada. And, uh, and yes. <laughs> Kat's like, okay, whatever. And then Chris offers up her home just a home in palm springs she's like it's a four bedroom house like there's plenty of room and cat could go back to school everything would be fine and we could all be together and uh that's when cat breaks the news that she's not going back to school <laughs> yeah so that's good i mean i don't i mean trauma so i don't like super blame her but like you could go somewhere else you don't have to like go to the same place um but she's like lost her love of ballet and it's so sad it so is sad um but also I- like she she might love something else like that's the thing is like right. if if she lost her love of ballet in genuine and she's not feeling this way out of fear or guilt mm-hmm. fine but i don't like when parents pressure kids who have gone through something traumatic to go back to the thing that caused them trauma because they were yeah. good at it. That feels wrong. Oh, for sure. I just want her to find something she loves again because she doesn't seem like yeah. she loves anything right now. Correct. Um, which is fair. It hasn't been that long since, you know, the love of her life passed away in a wreck that she had. And if you're like um, 19 and that feels way bigger than like. Yeah, yeah for sure. So. We go back to the exorcism and they're all reading like prayers and Bible passages. And we see the demon start talking to Angela directly in her mind. And what does Angela do? Not run, not listen to any of the rules she was given. So the demon takes her back to Reagan in the basement. Okay. I had a problem with this casting. I, I didn't love the casting. Yeah. I didn't love the casting because it made her look older than she was it did. It in the movie. Look, it made her look. It older made her look like a teenager. In the movie, yep. she's like twelve. Yeah. And I and I think that is a difference of time because you look at like casting that was done in the seventies, and it's like people looked like kids. They didn't wear makeup. They didn't do any of the stuff. And then you cast. I mean, I'm sure they had like powder and so like movie makeup, but not like actual yeah. makeup. And then you look at the casting for this one and she's wearing like a full face of makeup and like looks and, like, but I also, skinnier, like, I 
don't like it. I get that, but you could still make someone look like a kid. I don't like it because I think it was deliberate. I think they aged her up on purpose to mm-hmm. make to make the sexualization of the demon relationship less creepy. Like it's still creepy, it's still weird, yeah. but she's a pretty teenage girl. If she's a chubby, awkward 12-year-old, it's a really really different situation. Yeah. And they and I think they did it on purpose and I don't like it because I think it gives it almost gives like a bit of forgiveness to the demon. Like yeah. And it, it takes something from the original story as well, though, like when they do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah. I agree. I didn't think of it that way, but I, I agree. It it does kind of feel that way. Um, and because obviously, like, we're not, nothing in the show is being like the demon was in the right. Obviously, no, that's no. not, none of that. But I think, I think the very real and very um, present fear of pedophilia in the modern era especially in light of what came out of what was happening in a lot of places in the 70s has made the ability to portray a relationship like that less acceptable and to me i find it baffling that we are at a place where like we are more comfortable with saying that like the closest cardinals to the popes are actually like part of a demonic ring than we are in saying that a demon might sexualize a 12 year old right like i (laughs) i i just find the whole like it nothing none of these things are good but the what we choose to say is too bad to put on tv versus what we choose not to is confusing to me maybe it's because one thing is more realistic than the other maybe like, i mean that that may very exist but you don't like i i would never in my life think if i saw the cardinal who worked with the pope that he was like being and like controlled by a demon like that would right. be the farthest thing from my mind and so that feels less real and maybe that's why maybe um they choose that whereas like in the 70s like there was pedophilia but it wasn't as well and also like and also i mean other i mean obviously the the masturbation scene in the movie is graphic and horrible and was very very scandalous at the Mm -hmm. time it was a big deal um from what i know of the book it's way 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 worse than that that's what i've heard too um but they have a similar scene here with the like curling iron, but they don't show it. It's like it's not as right. visual, but it's also you know it's on TV. It's not on yeah, but film but movies. other than that scene, it doesn't feel sexual yeah. in the movie. Like there's that scene, and it's gross and it's awful, but it almost feels more violent than sexual. Whereas yeah, and it the feels- like a lot of the stuff about the the movie it's like it's trying to gather all of the bad things in the world to put on her right so it's not like yes specific to sexuality like right 
Whereas so this, whereas this episode with the the licking and the talking about taste and the way that he says things and the the kissing on the subway, like they've made it a very sexual perversion based relationship, and that means that she can't be as young. Like, and and yeah. I, yeah, and like, <laughs> I mean, even he even says he was like, and he was like, no one's ever like made you feel like I have like your husband's not even like stood up to like where I am and it's like so you're absolutely right it's definitely become more of a like sexual relationship as whereas I feel like in the movie it was more of like a a friendship moves a lot doesn't have a lot of friends and so she's she fell in with this and it was her first friend that like actually stayed with her like yeah so it was it was definitely very very different connotations than the movie um but sex sells on tv now so yeah I'm I agree though I I prefer it the other way. Yeah, but- it made me it made me uncomfortable because I understand why they did it. Like, and that yeah. in and of itself is uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Good times here on DNA <laughs> podcast. Where everything is uncomfortable and horrible. <laughs> Just true. Everything's not the end of the world. Um. So yeah, so we see this is the first time where she learns the name of Captain Howdy. And that's that's scary in itself because like oh we're going back to the beginning yeah um, and Regan or Angela is now there and realizes when she sees him she's like oh my gosh I saw you before this even it turns out he was taking pictures of her at the zoo when she was only six and so and, and maybe that was another element of like why they moved it up for further to make it seem farther away from the first like seeing of him yeah. But like it was so she sees that and then Chris calls down because she's being quiet in there and the demon starts talking like Regan, which is not surprising at all, but yeah. to cover everything up. Um and so he keeps talking to Angela and he finally he's like he was like, Yeah, he was like, the reason I've stuck on you so long is because you're the girl that got away. Like and I was just like, Oh, that's yeah, he was like, I miss your taste and then licked her face and I was like oh. <laughs> Yeah, and um, then Regan is in this, like, mind warp, I guess, and so she's, like, drooling and, like, just sitting there, and finally Angela says, why did you choose me? And he's like, there was no reason. He's like, I just chose people, and then you just didn't fall into place, basically, and so now you're the one that got away, and, like, that's why, and she's like, leave my family alone. He says, no. <laughs> I was like, well, I okay. and- And he was like, why me? Why me? People keep asking, why me? I don't think you realize I'm not doing it because you're special. Like, that's the thing. almost makes it worse. It's like, he was like, there's nothing special about you. The only thing special about you is that you didn't care enough about yourself to think that it was wrong that I wanted you. Like. Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, It's rough. But yeah, so that does make it even sadder that it wasn't like a yeah. reason no yeah um, and well, then but i also think i also think it's like everybody everybody always thinks that they're the main character of their story yeah. and like you should like you should treat yourself like you are important but also there's this idea that like i mean and there's it's very much in scripture there's the idea that you're fearfully and wonderfully made like god made you and you are special and you are unique and no matter what you are in life god thinks of you as special whereas the world doesn't think of anyone as special 
And so like, he's like, you need to stop living in this I matter point of view and realize that the only thing about you that made you get chosen is how much you don't matter. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Poor Angela. Yeah. Um, and poor the rest of her family for getting fucked over I by know. this. I know. And then Chris comes downstairs to see her and bring her upstairs and she's telling her about this like role she's getting that she was meant to like direct a film. And, and that like, is so pretty funny. much exactly the same scene from the movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then we click out of that memory and we're back to the room where the exorcism is happening. And Casey is just like banging herself around on the bed. Yeah. And I am like convinced she's going to break every bone in her body. And Tomas gets this idea and he's like, let's read the last rites. And I was like, how is this the first time we're doing this? Like, how has this not become... Right, after the number of different prayers you have done and the number of different things you've done, you didn't, you never, that didn't occur to you yet? Yeah, like, I feel like that would have been the, like, one of the early ones I would have done. But like, read it his last rites, maybe it's gone. Like, you know? Yeah, just like, forgive it for everything and send it to death. Like, right. And and I thought they were reading the last rites. I think it was like two episodes ago because they were like, I forgive you, this is this. And like, he was reading, I was like, is he reading the last rites? No, um, no, now he, now he is. Yeah. Um, and then the demon just starts slamming around again, and it seems like he's trying to like break her neck, and he's like, "We're gonna give them what they want," and then everyone is thrown, and Casey starts floating and writhing, and it's, and then like the demon leaves her, and it's like Casey's back. It's so great. Um. I want to interject here. I'm so sorry. I meant to talk about this before we started, but yeah. I saw the um, trailer for the new Exorcist movie, finally. I haven't seen it yet. It's going to be good. Like, I am okay. not, like, we've talked about it, I'm not an Exorcist person, but, like, I, I thought about the scene. It's it's yeah. going to be about two girls who are both possessed together, but separately. Oh. And so the scene I was like seeing was them like rising off the bed together, which is why I thought about it just now. Um, okay. Two different families, and these two girls like got possessed together, and then like it's. I think it's gonna be a really good storyline, like which is okay. not always how I feel about exorcism stuff. So okay, and it comes out Friday the thirteenth in October. Yes, I know. And my friend Marlo was talking to me about how excited she is and how she can't wait to see it on Friday the 13th. And then I said that I couldn't watch it until we were ready to watch it for the podcast so that I probably wouldn't see it till December. And she goes, how am I supposed to wait two months to talk to you about it? And I was like, I will tell you, I will probably watch it in October. Um, But I also would like to cover it as the the wrap up. Yeah. So... I yeah. So, everyone, be prepared for both of those things. I will be mentioning that I saw it in October, and then we will actually. And I will not watch it until I have to for the podcast because I scary. I like it, but I also hate it. That makes sense. I love it. But also, my friend Marlo, um, I was talking to her because I was talking about this show, and she is obsessed with this show, and she is like freaking out. Can't wait till we finish the season because she wants to know how I feel because apparently the end of the season is wild which if it's more wild than this episode right um but the one thing she did confirm which she shouldn't have but she did and um it is only mildly a spoiler but my theory about the rant story being only one season was correct 
Well, I kind of got that after this episode. It kind of felt yeah. like they were getting ready to leave. Um, but you should also tell them, hi, Marlo, if you're listening, you should uh, come do our season wrap-up at the end of the second season. Mm-hmm. Of Dan yeah. for first and you for the second, since you love Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah, we should. Um, stay tuned. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, back to the episode. We are now um, leaving the the nuns because demon is gone everyone's fine ish um and here's the thing (laughs) here's the thing everything started to wrap up and it was so beautiful and it was exactly what you expect because it's the eighth episode there's two so the way like tv arcs kind of work is like the Mm -hmm. second so there's like the last three episodes there's the, the obviously the finale the penultimate is where it like it ramps you up again to get to the finale. Okay. The sec- the third to last episode is usually where everything kind of accidentally sort of faux wraps up. You get all your bows that are then going to get fucked up for the end of the show. Yeah. So I was expecting this when everything was happy and Casey had the demon and the Tattersall people were hit, like arrested and everything was fine. I was okay. like that. I I expected that to be how this episode ended because i expected oh, the yeah, faux yeah. i expected the faux sense of like reassurance before the big ending no they gave so you the about fact, 30 seconds of yeah so the fact that they only gave us about 30 seconds of reassurance before they completely fucked everything up i was overwhelmed yeah yeah they uh they don't let you like feel comfortable on the show that's not a thing um but we do leave through the crowd, and Tomas is carrying Casey, and Angela's right beside him. The nun's coming out um, behind them, and they put her in an ambulance. Tomas looks like he's aged 50 years. Uh-huh. Like, he looks so old in this scene, um, which I think was good. I think that was well done. Yeah. Um, and then we have a brief spot at Tattersall where the SWAT team's busting in, and they find the like demonic hole where the crosses are hanging upside down um and there's like blood everywhere and then they find our Paul Giamatti guy which is his name is John I learned by the end of the episode <laughs> um sitting there and he says is that is that where they find him mm-hmm. I thought it was in one of the back back rooms of the Tattersall because they told no, no, him no. yeah but I thought we didn't see that until after i thought we didn't see that till marcus was with chair we don't see them finding him till marcus is with cherry and last oh you're right you're right i okay. don't know no, we we find him here this is where it is but that's a different so we don't see his face on the news until later oh okay but, okay i was i was thinking of the the scene where he yeah that happens now i swear it didn't yeah he okay he shoots himself now he says, oh, okay. can you hear the angels? Or can you hear the angels or something? And then shoots himself. And he's out. Oh, I oh, Okay, I could have sworn that all happened later. but No, no. Um, and then we go to the hospital where Casey is. And the police are there trying to talk to her. And, like, I get it. But, like, you see she's in a bad position. Like, you have to let her heal before you can speak to her. She might die. We don't know. Like, give it a rest. Um, she's not going anywhere. Like, it's not like she's at home on bed rest or something well and i do um, understand i do on the one hand i do understand them wanting to talk to her as soon as she's conscious so that nobody yeah. has a chance to like talk to her and talk her out of talking to the police right i get it 
but also but like, like we were as of a week ago we were still under the um under the guise that she was kidnapped and now you're yeah. like aggressively telling her parents that you need to talk to her the second she wakes up right that right. feels icky yeah so henry says they're gonna call a lawyer and they're like why do you need a lawyer and he's like we need a lawyer which like yes you no yes okay also the fact that the cop is like if she didn't do it then why do you need a lawyer fuck that it doesn't matter if you were innocent or not don't talk to the cops without a lawyer ever yeah yeah that's like the number one rule like in life whether um, you are innocent or guilty if the cops are questioning you on suspicion of something have a lawyer always yeah. Also, that is, like, the, like, oldest trope where the cop's like, why do you need a lawyer if you're innocent? Like, that is the oldest line in the book. So, like, it's bullshit. Yeah. So, then Henry and Kat are talking, and he's telling her, he's like, maybe you should consider California. Like, he says, you were always meant to be more than the rest of us. I was like, that's so sad and so sweet. Yeah. Bless his heart. Um, And now we're at the bar with Marcus and Tomas. Yeah. And they're they're joking back and forth they're like trying to relax from this demonic possession they've just exercised and he finally tells marcus finally tells them he's like you could be an exorcist if you want to be he's like this is this doesn't have to be the end for you and he's like but you still lose everything you like love and all this stuff and he's like he's like yeah but this is also really big and then their cheers i thought this was a really cute cheers he says to standing in the doorway and pushing back the night and I was like, I almost made that my like spiritual quote. <laughs> oh my god, I love no like Tomas is just like to Casey. Like they're so glad that they saved her. And then Marcus says that, and he just goes, "Yeah, yours is better." Yeah, you're just like that. That is the most real moment the two of them have ever had, and I loved it. I know I love them as friends, as real friends. Yeah, not, like being mad at each other. So then Tomas leaves, and there's this guy across the way making eyes at Marcus, and he goes to come over, and we see. <laughs> That they announced the plan to assassinate the pope on the news being discussed and um that falls through obviously this cute yeah. guy across the bar yeah i mean um, marcus gives him a look too marcus is totally into it until he realizes and, that he has to save the pope right and he's right. like and he's like more important. he's like i'm not a priest anymore i could make out with this guy but, but. god damn it the pope <laughs> Yeah, that feels like it's important still. <laughs> so we go back to the Cardinal and Bennett, who are in the car, and the Cardinal's just acting hopeless. Um, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do. It's all these bad things happening. And Bennett's like, well, they're still good people. Like, yeah. there's still people that want to protect the Pope, that want to do good for the world. Like, we and, do still have people in the church, in the city. Yeah. And then he asked for names. And anytime, anytime someone in charge is like, give me the names, it feels, it goes straight to the mob for me. Once yeah, you start no. asking for names, you're ready to start killing. Like, there yeah. is no. And, and Bennett is, Bennett is there too. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Excuse yeah. me, no? Yeah. Bennett also immediately knows. Like, that is just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's exactly what happens. He starts asking for names. He keeps asking, and two men put a bag over Bennett's head to suffocate him. And now, is Bennett dead again? Or is right. he being, like, captured that's to be a, held that's to be tortured? A, when I was going through my, um, basically, you know the Disney show where Olaf retells the Disney movies? <laughs> that was basically me acting out everything that happened in this episode for Dan since I watched it without him. And I was uh, freaking out. And in the middle of my Olaf retelling, Dan goes, wait. So he goes, Father Bennett, that was the black guy, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. 
is he dead now? I go, ah! You got too loud. You got too loud. Now I can't hear you in the mic. Oh my gosh. I said, I was screaming about how I don't know if he's dead, but he had a plastic bag over his head, though, so that doesn't look good. But it could be just to, to take him to capture him to torture well, him. We don't, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm stressed out. I, like, I, 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 I knew he was not dead last week. This yeah. week, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, was wrong last week, so obviously I do not trust my instinct anymore on that. So I can't, there's no way to know. Um, but yeah, so then we go back to the church. This episode doesn't get better. Let me just start. Oh. It <laughs> only gets worse. That's the thing. I told, I told Dan about Father Bennett, and I told him about this scene we're about to talk about right now. And then I go, oh, but it gets worse. He goes, how could it possibly get worse? It only gets worse. Um, so we're at the church. Tomas has walked in. There's two people sitting in the pews. And then they stand up. It turns around. It is Jessica and her husband, Jim. Ugh. And Jessica's sobbing. Apparently, Jim has come home unannounced. And she told him about all of her indiscretions. I, I guess willingly. She makes it sound like she didn't. But like... It does very much feel like narcissistic abuse and like she told him because she was scared of him. Right. Um, but also, since I hate her and think that she is an awful person, I don't know how much of it was coerced and how much was just her sucking. Was her like being manipulative. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, what if he came home and she was like, by the way, I hate you and I slept with this other guy and it was a priest BT dub. Like, you <sighs> never know. You don't know. Yeah. So I, I have mixed feelings about that, whether it was actually her or him that instigated. I mean, he seems like a dick. I'm not going to lie. He doesn't seem great. I don't think he's a good person, but, but, you know, but maybe just because, just because you're both toxic doesn't mean that. No, there's no forgiving on either side then. Like, yeah. So he confronts Tomas and he's like, how many times did you sleep with my wife? And he's like, does it matter? Like, because truly, does it matter? Wow. And he's like, well, you're just, you're a priest. You're, you're hiding behind the collar. And Tomas just takes off the collar. And I'm like, okay, we're getting serious here. Like, All right. he, he is committed. Um, and so. I mean, at this point, I think at this point, after everything, after the, and the, all of the things, after the successful exorcism, after all of the prayers that he's just prayed, I think at this point, he has done what he needs to do for himself and God. So he doesn't, he, he no longer feels that, like, that guilt. He's just like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I did do something wrong. If you want to fight yeah. me, punch me. I'm right here. Like, I, I, he's like, I'm ready for a fight. It's fine. And like, he probably is ready for a fight. He's like, I would be, I'd be upset. Um, and then Jim's like, you know what? No, instead of fighting, cause I'm not going to punch. I'm not going to be the guy that hit a priest in the church. And I was like, that's fair. fair. Um, He's like, I'm going to call the bishop and see what he thinks about it. And I'm like, the bishop probably doesn't like him. Like, like you know. Yeah, if somebody, if somebody's like, hey, how do you think the bishop feels about, like, a priest uh, committing adultery? Bishop's not going to be super pumped about it. But I also had a really cynical thought. And I was like, the priest or the bishop's just going to be glad it's not a little bully. True. And also, like, he's already <laughs> mad at him about this exorcism stuff and, like, all this other stuff he's doing. And he's like let it go let it go he's like well at least it's something new that's like not the, the stuff i've already told him not to do like right so mm. yeah but 
now that he's lost everything, he can become an exorcist. Because right. he very, very clearly was like, you have to give up love. Well, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So it really opens the door for him to like just leave the church and become an exorcist with Marcus, him and his bestie. Yeah. So this is where we go back to Cherry's and Marcus is there watching the news. This is where you were talking about too. Yes. And um, they're talking about the assassination and everything. And Marcus, and that's when John's picture comes up on the screen. And Marcus is like, oh, I met him. And I'm like, okay. I... And he's like, he's like, he's like a guy who like was homeless and getting soup from a church and like had no clean clothes. D can't there's no way. There's no way he had $600,000 worth of military equipment. Yeah. And so we learned they very um, easily shifted the blame to someone who's not related with the church. Um, and we also learned that Bennett is not answering his phone. Which we know why. Well, yeah. we kind of know why. Either he's dead or he's being tortured. But we know he's not available. Correct. Yeah. And then our last scene, we go to the Rant's house. And Angela's looking at Casey's room with, like, dis like despair. And Chris comes in and she, she says, you think it'll hurt the resale? <laughs> that was so funny. I laughed so hard. I was like, that's oh, that's yeah. the, like comic relief we need at the end we get it for, like ah. i said about five seconds but right this, nice. the scene nice. started off it started off so nice of like them like mending things and the whole family was going to run away together all five of them it was going to be great and then angela starts kind of going off and being mean to her again i was like man she's really being a jerk i, I immediately i immediately i was like oh fuck i i didn't hesitate yeah. for a second because as soon as the well, I mean, I was confirmed that when I was a hundred percent sure was when she said stink pot. But as soon yeah, as she, as too. soon as soon as she started being mean to her mom, I go, oh no, yeah, no. The next thing that happens is she immediately breaks Chris's neck and pushes her down the stairs. And uh, if that wasn't confirmation enough that she was possessed, the next thing we see is the third eye. So that's that's episode eight. Um, it's a wild ride, wild ride here, here in Exorcist world. Um, so who who do you want to punch in the face? The list just goes on and on. Um, I. I'm going to go with the Cardinal. Mm -hmm. Good one. Yeah. Good one. I am. Um, I switched up a bit this week and I went with Jessica. That's fair. I know there were a lot of bad people. In this right. Episode, there was, but... my problem was I narrowed it down to a list of like eight. Right. Right. Like there wasn't a, there was an endless list and I usually don't go with Jessica, but this time I was like, this felt more manipulative than normal. So like, yeah. And I go with her. Yeah. So who's your MVP? No. This one's harder. It's harder. Um, I'm going to go with Marcus, though. 
That's a good one. That's a good Cause one. I, I, I don't think, I mean, he didn't do anything necessarily like stand out this episode, but he's the only person who I don't think made a questionable choice the entire episode. Mm. Like his choice to save the Pope instead of doing what he wanted to do at the bar, his choice to help Cherry and Lester when they couldn't find Bennett, the way he handled everything in the exorcism though. Like, I don't think he made a bad choice for the entire episode which I don't think I can say for anyone else. I think that's true. I think I would have normally gone with Tomas, but because it's her last episode, I did pick Chris. I thought about picking Chris um, because she did. She did great things this episode. She was selfless. She tried. She was genuinely trying to help the family. She was good. She stepped up and was really just trying to do the best for everyone and be there when she was needed and do what, like, what she could to help everyone. That's a great choice. So that's what I picked. Um, I have a couple pieces of trivia. Okay. Jim, our, our husband, yeah. was on The Walking Dead, also played a character named Jim. Um, cool. Fine. And then apparently on the last screen where they mentioned the assassination, assassinate was spelled wrong. Um, I didn't catch it, but it was listed in like three different places that it was spelled wrong. So I feel like it probably was. I believe it. Yeah, so it's upsetting, really. But yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's all I have. Do you have some predictions? Um, I like. I I don't know. Obviously. At least in some way, shape, or form, this story has to get wrapped up in the next two episodes because I know for a fact that this particular story is only a season. Um, I just don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that uh, Angela's going to have to die. Like, I I don't know. I think so. Um, I hope that she's the only one of the family that dies. Like, I hope... um, I hope Father Bennett isn't dead because I think that... Um, we kind of need him. Um, I, I genuinely, genuinely have no idea. I, because I, I can't imagine how this is going to get resolved. Like the the Rance yeah. part of it, the like the Rance family part of it, I can imagine that okay, we're going to have to kill Angela and the demon along with her, and that's how it's going to get resolved. And it's going to be sad and tragic, but it's going to be resolved. The yeah. the giant cult of super super intensely strong demons trying to kill the pope oh. i don't i don't That's know for sure. i don't i can't imagine where that is going yeah i uh i also don't know where that is going um i i agree i think the only solution is angela has to die because that's the only way to end the rance family story because yeah you know the connection to the demon has to go yeah um i think henry and casey might go off on their own and cat may go off on her own um the three, I could see the three of them going off together. I but. feel like the three of them will stick together, especially with Chris dead. If they have to lose Angela yeah. too, I think the three of them will stay together. It just like, it really seemed like Henry wanted Kat to go off on her own because he thought that was best for her. And so I could see that kind of being a play in it. But I can also see the three of them going off together. Like, yeah. But I don't think any of them are going to die. I think it's just going to be Angela, um, especially since Chris died. Like, they killed off the original movie now. Like, yeah. That would be the end for me. Um, yeah. Other than that, I, I don't. 
don't think Father Bennett's dead. I think they're torturing him for these names. Um, I don't know that that means he won't die. Right. I don't, I don't think he's dead yet because I think they want more information from him. I think that um, you're probably right. I, I can see that being the way they go. I hope that's the way they go. But I do also think that if Father Bennett dies, Marcus is going to have to deal with all of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be the only one left who can do anything. I'm so nervous that Marcus is going to die at the end of this because he's going to be the Father Marin, Marin of this show who, like, did everything and made everything happen. And in the end, he had to sacrifice himself for, like, the best for humanity. And I could see him doing it. Like, I don't think Tomas could do it. I don't think he is. Right, no. So I feel like I'm concerned that in the end, Marcus is going to have to go. And it makes me so sad already. I don't have a comment. Okay. Just because I know, just because... I, I I know things that I'm not supposed to know, so I have no I have no comment. How dare you? Well, well, you just know my predictions then, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, so uh, if you have some predictions, some thoughts, concerns, questions, I I would imagine you have concerns as do we. <laughs> uh, yes. Feel free to email us deathandaliens at gmail dot com. You can find us on all of the social media at death and aliens. I've become a, a bit unhinged lately with my um my caption so just yeah join yeah that's great um you can find me on all the social media at cecloud13 and you can follow me everywhere at emkay underscore superstar and we'll see you on sunday for sci-fi sunday bye bye